This is a Channel 101 podcast. All right, welcome to Primetime Flies. I'm your host, Todd Donald. Primetime Flies is a Channel 101 podcast where I corner the, all the people who make Channel 101 and Frequency 101 shows, past, present, future. We have a love fest, and we get to know we get to know our guests, and it's and it's fun, and we and we talk about random stuff uh, anywhere in between. If you're not subscribed, I, I somehow am supposed to believe that if you did that on Apple, that it means something. You could rate and review, but un- unless you're doing it like hundreds of you, it's not really going to make a difference. But you know, every now and then I check. It's nice to see. Thank you for those two comments so far. And on the show today. I mean, you can go to channel101.com and see see the body of work. The bottom line is it's amazing. Cybercrime City Mysteries was only a couple years ago. This guy goes back all the way to 2006 with the first, the pool master, that's right. Uh, and I believe he really burst on the scene with Dr. Telemark, the grocery beggary executioner, uh, starring in it. The man's a genius, writer, director, editor, and so much more. Aaron Moles. Everybody. Hey, do you have do you have an audience sound? Is there an applause? <laughs> they're they're shy. They're a shy bunch. <laughs> okay. All right. I get it. I get it. Yeah. They're in an isolated room where we can't hear. They're in a separate studio. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Keep it down. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being on, man. I um Yeah. I really enjoyed hearing you and Willie chatting on Surfing Through Time, the Patreon podcast. The great thing about that show is like the way they can get you guys to tell stories. I'm always interested in stories. I think the act of focusing on a certain point in the past that a screening happens, like it, it just ignites all kinds of great stories. And can, can you reiterate for those who aren't subscribed on the Patreon what the hubbub was about with you not feeding your cast and crew when you'd be making a show? You know what? I mean, I heard that. I literally heard that for the first time on the podcast. Um, I know what it is. It's um, like, you know, you move to LA, you start doing shoots and you're broke. You don't have any money. Um, And I also, I'm always my own producer. So those two things combined, um, what would happen is I, I, I usually, I always knew to buy food for the cast. I've always known to do that. I've always tried to do that. But sometimes you do like your main shoot, right? You shoot the bulk of the show. Right. And sometimes you do a pickup day. And sometimes on the pickup day, you're like, yeah, it'll only be two hours. But on that pickup day, maybe you don't get food, you know, because you did it on the, on the main shoot. And, some, and one of those pickup days, I'm sure, I, I, the one I know I blew it on was uh, Return to Superman's episode four, which was the Kiss episode. And I got the Yacht Rock guys to all dress up like Kiss. It was, a, it was a really fun shoot. And it was a night shoot. It had to be a night shoot. And I remember it just kept dragging on, especially because you're shooting outside at night and you have to change lightings. But I remember that dragged on for hours. And I, I thought I was going to order a pizza. And then we, we wrapped at like, I don't know, midnight or whatever. And I didn't order the pizza. Uh, oops. <laughs> time flies when you're doing a shoot. Like when you're, when you, when you're doing a shoot, like time doesn't exist. Right. Um, especially when you're doing everything. Um, so I know what happened there. Um, there were a couple of times, but I know like, especially recently, 
I like I I definitely I mean especially once I got money it was like not even thinking about it. Um but if I just had like that a person in my ear to whisper, you know, to to remind yeah. I, 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 this is also before the I before I had an iPhone. I got my first iPhone in 2000 late to that like the end of 2008 is when right. I got my first iPhone. So if I had an iPhone I just set the alarm to remind me. But oops. <laughs> what else, what else can I do? Um but I always order, I at least order pizza when I do a shoot now. But it's those first, what it is, it's that, that was in early, two, that was in May of 2008 or April of 2008. So I would say that, uh, you know, 2006, 2008 is my earlier Channel 101 years, the first two years in LA. I probably just blew it on those first two. And then I earned an opportunity, I earned a reputation for not ordering food based on like those early days. And that follows you. <laughs> People don't forget. No. Is it better or worse than like pissing your pants at the screening and everyone's seeing it? Or like, <laughs> well, uh, you know, pissing your pants at the screening is like a fun, embarrassing story that you tell years later. Right. It's um, right of passage. Yeah. I mean, I've never done it, but I, I, would, I wouldn't say that that's a killer. But not ordering food is, is a sin on a film set, I would say. Right. Well, I think I can relate. I think others can too. It's like that thing where it's like uh, you get so engrossed and maybe I'm somewhere on the spectrum. I, I just don't think – like I, I remember I used to have a friend who lived out of town and we, we were going to start a band at one point and whenever we got together. And then one of you is like, is there anything to eat? Because <laughs> uh, uh-huh, yeah. I haven't eaten in 12 hours. I just realized it. Um, yeah. It's not like you're tyrannical or uh, – you know. And also like – when you're doing a shoot and you're, you're just trying to keep everything on time, you're not thinking about your own needs or, you know, and when you're not, and when I'm not feeling hungry, I'm not even thinking that they're feeling hungry, you know, like I got my, my adrenaline's going, my, uh, you know, my brain is just thinking about the next shot. It's not thinking about food, but their brains probably definitely were thinking about food. You get better work done when you're hungry. No, <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, it's a motivator. Yeah, I should have just owned it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Use it. In in so many ways, even including stuff like uh, craft services, it's a great place to evolve. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I, I, don't, I don't know where validation is on your graph of importance as far as like you continuing to make stuff for 101 through the years. Did you feel more validated as a creator of shows if getting voted back was in the more recent past or was like or was it more like people that saw your voice as a yeah i'm, I'm forming I, it if you get no it problem. then go with it i mean I, i've never been motivated by votes if that's what you're asking yeah it's never yeah. been my thing why i will say at first like when i first moved to la well my first show the pool master that made it into prime time or not pro, not that made it into the screening on my first screening. attempt which never happens. And, you know, I thought, oh, the next one I make is going to make the screening because everybody liked my stuff. And the next seven pilots I made all rejected on the primetime panel. So when I first moved to LA, that was a struggle for me, like just getting into a screening. Like me and Dave Seeger moved to LA at the same time within a month of each other. And he was in the same boat. Like he didn't, ha- he didn't make a screening for a while either. He made like one or two shows i think like me that that made it in but there, there was a while where like it was just a tough grind for us to even make like a primetime show or to make a, a failed pilot i mean 
Um, so that, in that sense, yeah, I really wanted to make, I really, I mean, I hadn't been in the room with everybody watching my show until return to Superman's, which was over a year after I moved to LA. That was the October 2007 screening. So that, in that sense, I was definitely pursuing some kind of validation because every month you go and you see whatever Justin Roiland's doing or whatever, it's like, I wanted to see my stuff up there. Yeah, and there were a couple times where I was rejected. Like some people told me it was like a slap in the face, like like that my show got rejected and these other guys got in. Back in the day, when you got rejected, you'd always—I mean, and I'm sure it's still like this with people getting rejected—but you'd always be like, "That made it in, and mine didn't," you right. know? Or you make a show and be like, "Oh, there's too many action shows this month," and it's like that's the reason why my awesome show didn't make it in, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but at first, you know, with Return to Superman, I definitely was like excited to get voted back and make it in but i i always knew that when i made it in it's like okay the next time you're guaranteed episode two people are going to see what you do whatever you put up there which is i I, i've always been more excited about just what i'm going to make the audience react to than getting voted back i've never cared about votes the reason why is i I just feel like people get super competitive and up their own asses about their stuff whereas i'm more like you know, wait till they get a load of this and then I do it. And then, you know, I see the reaction to it. I'm way more motivated by that than votes. Hearing you say that like reinforces that, which I already feel I had one of those moments when I put out like a frequency show recently and it didn't get voted back. It was my first failed pilot. And it, I had a morning mm-hmm. it, <laughs> it subsided by the afternoon, but like, like it really is about trying to make something that will have a, have some kind of impact or, or, yeah. or innovate or I don't, I don't know if impress is the right word, but it's, it's not about no, making it, make an impression, make an impression. It's, it's not about winning. It's about making winning shows is how I feel. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I think um, I always broken it down into there's the Dan Harmon school and the Rob Schraub school where Dan is very much a make a show, get voted back, get competitive, talk shit. And Rob's more like, okay, I want to make like five episodes of this. This is my arc. These are my characters. This is where I want to go with the story. Um, I've been more in the Schraub camp, whereas Harmon's like, I'm going to vote this show back until either it gets canceled or I can't do it anymore for whatever reason. Right. Um, so I've always thought that it broke down like that. Because some people, they get voted into primetime and that's all they wanted to do. And then their second episode crashes. Um, yeah. And sometimes I've, I've done that too. Um, but you know, it, it's, I've, I've noticed that Harmon was more just whatever the audience wanted. He would, he would just follow what the audience wanted. Whereas Schraub's more of a creator and he's like, he doesn't beholden to the audience. He does get voted back, but he isn't, that's not, that's not what motivates him. He wants to create, you know? Yeah. So that's the difference between the two. And I, I think I've, I've, I've seen people fall into both camps with their, the way they make shows for 101. Yeah. I don't know what you think about this, but sometimes it'll be hard to say yes to one idea that one might want to do for 101 because it's like, for me, if you fall in love with an idea enough, you don't want to leave whether or not you can see a full story arc through to to the whim of, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've made that mistake a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why Cybercrime was three episodes. I was like, okay, I want to go here, here, and then I'm done. You know? That was a self-cancel. Um, that was a self-cancel on episode three because it's like it's also animation, which is really hard to do. So right. um just doing that was I got what I wanted out of it and I was I was out as soon as I got in. 
Oh no, but like Switcher, I wanted to take you know to like four or five episodes. Um, I have I always have an endpoint in mind for everything though. Sorry, expand on that. Like, how how far do you go as far as like exploring, even just in your mind, the full uh, thing? Okay, well, I usually start with the pilot, and then if it gets way back, then that's when I start going. Okay, this is what I want to do with it. That I just I do the jumping out point. Sometimes I know the ending right then and there, but not always. But once I get put it back, I definitely know how many episodes I want it to be. Like the sequence, I wanted it to be three episodes. Oh. Switcher, I wanted it to be four. Yeah, it's frustrating when it gets canceled. <laughs> I'll never forget. I will never forgive the voting on it's for canceling either of those shows. Yeah, no, well, that's what Don't Vote for the Show was all about, just being pissed off about Switcher. <laughs> I believe you were on like the original. Maybe there was one before it even, but I didn't catch it. But you were on the podcast with Nick and Brad, right? When it was Channel 101, the podcast? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this is a while ago. I think this was on Twitch. Yeah. It was like pre-pandemic. Uh, yeah. See, I don't know. Again, I'm from Canada. <laughs> I can tell you said you said a boot or something earlier. And I, was I like, did. Yeah, I, wonder, I wonder if he's coming. I wonder if he's Canadian. <laughs> I'm really self-conscious about uh, the word "about" because uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, about about. <laughs> I'm from Minnesota, so sometimes my Minnesota sneaks, okay. sneaks out a little bit. I, I can't really. All right, it's not about me. <laughs> That's um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Channies, have have you collected any? Uh, are there too many noms to remember? Um, let me see if I can just show you my trophy case. I mean, geez. All right, all right, listener, he's <laughs> he's moving his camera. Let's see. Okay, yep this this is my oh, uh, Channy display on my uh, on my dresser okay. here. Count one, two, three, four, five. I think six, seven. Seven. Is that like a sword? Yeah, 2017, they gave out uh, katanas. So, so you can commit seppuku when your uh, Hollywood career doesn't go the way you want it to. <laughs> That's really cool, man. Yeah. Let, let me be the, the last to say, I mean, not the last, but like the last, <laughs> far from the first to congratulate you. Uh, I think well-deserved. I, I might die tomorrow, so you could be the last. You don't know. <sighs> don't say that. <laughs> I said before we, like, before we started the record, and I, and I mean this, like your your body of work in one on one shows alone is uh, f- fantastic, but also like when one thinks of like you know what what's one on one all about, and then you sh- you show them a compilation of of Aaron Mole shows. To me, that it says it all in so many ways. It's it's not the only one that says it all, but it's you're you're one of those show creators and writers and directors who like you took advantage of all of the things and ways to tell stories. Uh, I think. If I'm mistaken, the only thing that you didn't do was a cartoon. I mean, cybercrime's kind of a cartoon in a way. It's kind of my version. More than it's what my version of a cartoon would be. You know, it's not a. It's it's live action photo photogrammetry. What do I, I don't know what you call it? Uh, <laughs> but I take you know, it's stills animated. But yeah, I, I wouldn't. I'm not. A, I'm not an artist, so I would, probably wouldn't draw a character. You know, like that. <laughs> right. I'd get I'd get Kelsey or someone to help me with it. Oh yeah, going from that and being really really intelligent sounding, um, that reminds me of something that I wanted to ask you, which is in no way related to that last question. There was something interesting you said about like the Dan Harmon culture, like the so- the sociological uh, condition when Dan was the overseer of everything. Like, how much did it really affect it? Like, if everyone was hanging out at a party, would they all like would y'all 
laugh it off. But if there was drama, like, ah, well, I I looked at the form. (laughs) That's intense. Anyway, we're still laughing over here. Were you like the kids and he was like the principal sort of thing? Like It kind of felt that way, especially, um, well, it, depend, okay, it depends on when you started doing 101. Because like, if you were there from the beginning, I think you had a rapport at a certain point. And especially like Yacht Rock, you know, it, 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 I think the Yacht Rock guys, especially like once they made Yacht Rock, they had his respect. And then there is um, Acceptable TV, which I think that's probably an important thing to talk about, too, is because when I moved out here, Acceptable TV was off and running. Right. Um, it just started. The pilot got sold. They were starting to make the show. And I, you know, I wasn't a part of it. And there was a couple of us that weren't a part of it. So there was at first kind of like a um and everybody was friends, like no, but there was but there was like a, you know, they're going to the, the rap party for acceptable TV tonight. Not everybody right. would hear about it. Um so there was a bit of a there was a bit of a divide. Uh, on at some level i feel and there's they, even even in today because you see some of those like ridley and Harmon would still work together even after acceptable tv like they got to have they got to build that relationship on that show yeah. and <clears throat> justin and Harmon obviously got to build that relationship and then there were some of us who were like you know i i, w- I would be very interested to sit down and talk to dan Harmon like now you know and just reflect on 101 back in those days because like you know, like you're just meeting me for the first time and you, I guess I have a reputation with you and Harmon has a reputation with me. Like just, I don't know, just, you know, people just want to hash out the past sometimes, I guess. But yeah, I, it, it does feel like I didn't really get to build much of a relationship with Harmon because of everybody else and that whole, you know, crowd at the time. The prestige um, class. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like from Harmon's perspective, I'm still trying to like, get into the club you know right um now the power structure that existed back then it's totally dissolved and now it's not like that um so like i don't know it's, it is i do kind of feel that way like if i run into him it's like I, if i ran into Harmon, i'd be like oh god what do i say you know right. <laughs> um so it's yeah it is a little like that um doesn't have to be but it's weird um also like this was at a time when like Harmon was a showrunner and he was getting successful so people wanted things from him so if i talk to him it's like yeah does he think i'm trying to like angle for a job on the show or mm. do i have to be at my funniest when i'm around him you know because like you go eat, every party i'd be in a room there would be a crowd there'd be like be like ridley acosta kyle and they'd all just be doing bits and drew and you know all the all those guys and then i'd be like the guy in the corner just i'd be like i'd be in the circle you know, but I wouldn't, right. I'd be like the, the quiet one, you know, because right. <laughs> I don't want to say something stupid. Did that feed into motivation? Like showing that audience what you got or like, uh, w- was it helped or influenced a- as well by, by sort of like that, uh, you know, look at them up there, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, oh yeah, definitely. What did I, I'm going to pull up my, uh, my little IMDB channel 101 thing just to like, so okay so like water and power miami like immediately once return of superman gets canceled uh we dave seeger had this idea he called me up and we collaborated this was actually a great collaboration too like me and him really i mean we were always we were friends before that but like it's like dave's great at like delegation like he's great at pulling together people's strengths right and um with me he just like trusted me to like conceptualize the story and like the you know, type of show. And 
you know, we, we made it look like, you know, at the time CSI Miami was on and we used all these fancy colored lightings to kind of give it that Miami look. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we actually beat what the actual water and power, I believe by one vote, which they were not happy with. Um, just blame Randall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Randall was, that was his uh, debut on screen, I believe for one one or for, 101 in LA. He was in 101 New York because with Dr. Miracles was his channel 101 New York show, which is hilarious. If you've ever seen that. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, there was definitely a fire under my ass around this time to really, you know, compete with Harmon actually. And, and we actually did. I mean, we held our own up until we got canceled on episode three, but you know, but, but it was a spinoff. So at a certain point, it's like, how, how far can we take the spinoff of a water and power show? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and like I was saying earlier with Harmon always having a show that he's deferred to the audience voting him back I think Harmon was done with Weather and Power on like episode 4 and like he just the episodes get weirder and weirder up until like the audience cancels them like the audience has to cancel them but like I, yeah again like this is me like 3 and done I'm, I'm fine with 3 and done I didn't think we needed an episode 4 of Water and Power in Miami anyway well I mean all 3 episodes yeah. are fantastic and fantastic yeah, yeah. to like show people even all these years later. I mean, that kind of thing right there. I mean, the idea that you guys had, take full credit if it, if it was your concept to do a spinoff of a 101 show. It's like, first of all, there's a show on 101. Listen to me. I, I know we just met, but I did a show for this thing called Channel 101, and it's based on another show on Channel 101. Uh-huh. But like, <laughs> like, <laughs> So I'm talking about that with you, Aaron, and, and it's like, I fucking love that. I'm one of many who fucking love that. I think that's the first time that happened and it really worked. Not only that, but uh, Harmon and Ridley actually had another spinoff of Water and Power with uh, Jeff Davis and Demorge, I believe. And it got rejected in favor of our spinoff. <laughs> so not only do we beat a show, but we also beat a spinoff. And then there were like two other Water and Power spinoffs that came later just because it, was, it got to be kind of a bit after a while. Um, but that was actually, yeah, the timing of it was perfect too. I think Water Power was on episode three when we popped in there, and uh, it was like the perfect month to do that thing, too. What's up, buddies? Kayla here, host of the podcast Screen Vomit, which is a movie podcast for geeks and freaks of all kinds, breaking down films from the last 10 years, joined by people in various aspects of the entertainment industry, including musicians, filmmakers, and even several 101ers that y'all know and love, including but not limited to Alex Kavitsky, Anna Saragina, and even Todd Donald himself. I love movies, you love movies, I've never met a 101er who doesn't know what a movie is, but even if you don't, maybe you'll learn a few things, so check it out, Screen Vomit, wherever you find your podcasts. You've been praised before on podcasts by people that you know, and it echoes something that I've already felt as a as a website onlooker from Canada. It's your concepts. You, you have a brilliant mind for for con- like interesting concepts. W- would you agree with the compliment? I, def- but- I definitely try to be as blue ocean as I can. I try to find something that no one else is doing. That's that's definitely a motivator for me. I need to do something that's definitely. If it's too derivative, I really don't do it. 
You know, and I say this, obviously, I know Return to Superman is very derivative of Turkish Star Wars. It's not a ninja cop is derivative of Samurai Cop and all, all these cheesy 80s low-budget movies. So it's not like I don't do derivative stuff ever. But also no one really thought to parody those things either. You know, like Return to Superman's bad sound was deliberate, which I don't right. think was nor like no one had really done that. Um the same thing with Ninja Cop, you know, no one had really done leaned into the eighties action movie, but done it as terribly as those movies were. Right. I mean, if you like Ninja Cop, you'll love Ninja Cop seven. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought about making another one later. That was like an art film, but right. <laughs> I just never got it off the ground. <laughs> well, I kind of thought it would be funny if you did do like Ninja Cop 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and they were right. all just well, like rejected pilots. Yeah. And yeah, that would be funny. Yeah. If I, <laughs> they exist out there, but I just <laughs> never published them. But Quicksand, uh, Quicksand is an episode, it was a show that started on episode two in the in the show. And my idea for the finale of Quicksand was to do Quicksand episode one as the finale. Um, right. Because Quicksand, the idea was at the time you had shows like Lost and 24, like all these serialized shows that you had to watch every episode of. Yep. So the concept of Quicksand was to do a show like that, but to just drop you in on episode two after the pilot so that no one knows what the hell's going on. No one knows who any of these characters are, what's happening. Right. You get like a little preview at the beginning of what episode one was, but you don't really know what what's going on. Then I skip another episode, you know, in episode <laughs> two. Um, and the idea is just constantly dropping into these nonsensical plot lines of a series that you're supposed to keep up with, but you obviously haven't seen any of the previous episodes to understand that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, yeah, that was, I, I don't know what it is with me in episode orders, but I do like that gag. You, you, your work speaks for itself, and it speaks a lot of of intelligence. I, I, I don't. I, I'm not good at math. I haven't assessed it. I, I, I don't have a profile on you, but I'm sure you know as well as anyone else. You know, you, you got to know structure before you can break it. You got to know the form mm -hmm. before you can oh, break yeah. the mold and all that. Um, Definitely. I mean, that goes a long way. Um, let me ask it like a like a high school newspaper would. Where do you mm -hmm. get your ideas from? The shower. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like. <laughs> You know, it's weird because I've outlined two movies recently that I, you know, no one's, it's not like a movie that's ever been made before. And I just got really motivated at work. And just as soon as I wrapped, I just typed everything into a Google Doc. It's really random. I don't know. I mean, sometimes like obviously Return to Superman's like the first time I saw it took Star Wars. I was like, oh, what if I did something like this? And Superman Returns came out. And just the two things went together in my brain. I was like, oh, that. Mm -hmm. um, Have you seen Italian Spider-Man? Uh, yeah, okay. All right. Italian Spider-Man came out the week after Return to Superman's premiere. Are you premiere. serious? And they got all, they got all the attention. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the story of my life. I'm always like barely just ahead. Like, um, like cybercrime, right? There's that movie that came out with Ryan Reynolds, Free Guy, about right. a video game character that realizes he's in a video game, you know? So the um, Switcher, or not Switcher, uh, Sequence Episode 2 was a forwards and backwards thing, like Tenet. Like, right. I always do things, the, the concept, <laughs> not the exact idea, but like, right. I'm like years ahead of what happens. And then someone 
has more time to think about the idea and do it. Maybe, maybe someone's watching my stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I'd love a development deal if, if someone is. That's but. like the fucking, it's, it's like the, the, the mighty ducks too. It's like they had a thing that no one uh-huh. else was doing and yeah. then they went into, to, to nationals or regionals, whatever the, and like all of a sudden they weren't the, the fucking, the mighty ducks right. weren't the, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. Moles was always one step ahead in concept <laughs> and, t- <laughs> but there was always one step ahead of him. Fuck. That's crazy though. Like there's always. It's always the other side that you don't know the uh, the uh, the fog of war. You don't know what's what's going on on the other side. Yeah, I had a great idea for a show where Mike Tyson solves mysteries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you were you were there for a substantial amount of time. Like you saw the change from one hundred and one being like the only or most interesting place on the on the web for mm-hmm. creatives, and I would venture like people who who were wanting to work in the industry and this was a place to hone and network and all that, not to network, but to meet people and form relationships yeah. and collaborate. Even in 2006, there, there must've been like something else around. UCB LA was, was also pretty big at the time or like starting to be pretty big at the time. Like Did, a lot of people, you know, like Kyle Mooney, you'd see him at a party or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely people that, you know, came out of UCB, which, and, and there was crossover, obviously, like Derek Waters was part of UCB and he would do 101 stuff as well. Um, but yeah, there, there was that too. And obviously 101 New York also. And to be aware of other things, like there had to have been a reason why you continued doing 101 in a world that constantly had more and more things that competed with right. everything that was, that it had going for it. True. I mean, obviously you make a ton of friends and you, Sometimes it would just be excuses to hang out with friends. I mean, you know, messy was just friends hanging out and getting high and making something, you know, and that definitely happened. Like shows were made at parties. Mike Manischewitz would just, his house was basically a second secondary studio where he just made whatever, right. whenever. Um, you know, I do kind of wish I did take some UCB classes in retrospect. I feel like, I feel like I wish I hedged a little bit into UCB, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's fine. I mean, I mean, 101 is basically, you know, it, it, in a way, like the people that were doing 101 at the time, they're still kind of like your extended LA family in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even though I don't talk to Justin Roiland anymore, I still feel like a bond, you know, with anyone that was doing 101 at the time. But like, you know, the idea of doing something else, it is weird because at one point, 101 did feel like the only thing worth doing something for. Mm-hmm. Just because that's those were the people that you wanted to impress. Those were the people that knew you and who you knew their sense of humor. There was a definitely, yeah, there's definitely like a sense of humor that we all understood that like no one else outside of that room would understand. Like making a fake TV show, some people would go to one on one screens and they would be like, what is this? I don't get it. And they, they'd mm-hmm. still walk out and they still wouldn't get it. So there was definitely a specific bond as far as like everybody understanding each other, I guess that you don't really get in a lot of places in life, really. Yeah. I have conversations with, because I started connecting with the one-on-one world as it is now, like a couple of years ago, and we we lovingly speculate what mm-hmm. things must have been like for you guys. And like, you were fucking there, probably flipping at panels through like 90 tapes or something, right? Right. Yes. Yes. There were crazy <laughs> months. There were, there were months where it definitely, there were like he- he- really heavy months and then there were really light months. We'd be like, oh my God, it's a dead just based on one month. <laughs> and then the next month, you know, or maybe a couple months later, yeah, you'd have like a 70 show panel to get through. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and people had no patience. Like you'd raise your hand if you wanted to skip a show and then everybody else would raise their hand just to get it out of there. But like, that's, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that was kind of nuts. Um, it's, I mean, the world has definitely changed. I mean, like Twitch is such a big thing now and people would rather watch people play video games. I thought about doing a Twitch show for one oh one, you right. know, cause why not? <laughs> It probably people would probably watch it as if it was a Twitch stream. If I, if I, you know, if you start off that way, watch me edit. <laughs> yeah, and like in the broader entertainment business, like live content for whatever reason is what people really want right now. You know, Channel One One has such a solid formula that you know you can't really adjust for that. You can right. maybe do some live Twitch streams, which we, you know, obviously One was done, but it's definitely tastes have changed a little bit at least. That's fair. Yeah. You know? It's a different world in general. But also like Channel 101, the thing about Channel 101 is it started in living rooms. Then it went to like small bars. Then it was at Cinespace. Then it was at the Downtown Independent, which was like an actual movie theater. So part of it was also the atmosphere, like the live atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously COVID dealt a huge blow to that. Um, <clears throat> but even before, obviously, it was, it was still waning a little bit. But also, I don't know, you still see new people come in though. You know, yeah. It's hard to explain. It's hard to pin down what happened in like, you know, 2015, 2014, or whatever. Yeah, I can't answer that one. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Met lack of advertising. I do think that there was a transition period. Carmen and Schraub, then Morgan. Um, like, I'm just trying to think of like the people that ran the show. Like Dan Murrow right. ran the show, and then uh, you know there was Adam and Aaron around that time there was like definitely like a switch over and then like, there was like just issues of like how to promote 101 and things like right. that word wasn't really getting out definitely like it it started maybe like a decade ago so it's hard to figure out like what people want to do if they want to make i feel like it needs to be like rebranded like a, a mini streaming network now instead of channel 101 right Chanflix or something or yeah. you know amazon Channel 101 primetime. I don't know. Amazon primetime. But like, you know, it needs, I don't know. It's definitely, I mean, streaming shows are the norm now. Internet shows are the norm now. So that novelty isn't really there. YouTube's already a thing. So there's almost, I, I, this is one of those things where maybe there does need to be a rebranding of some kind. But we're also seeing smaller pods too, like Rob Schraub at Schraub Home Video, right? Yep. So there's like these other the peripheral things that have, you know, like Rob started, Rob started channel one one, and I started Rob Hope video. And this idea of like, maybe just, maybe people need, instead of making a primetime show, want to start their own streaming network or yeah. lineup, you know, things evolve. That's just how it goes. Yeah. If, if channel one one was always the name, I would be behind like whatever it is, assuming that they wouldn't go like, well, now we're like a, 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 a craft store. Well, no, that, that's not what I meant. What if Channel One started like its own subscription service? You know, like Channel One One Prime uh, or, or Channel One One cha- Plus. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I think you did all of them. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, Channel Wibby. No, I mean that, yeah. I did. I Twitch Wibby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I never liked Quibby. I got it for dummy, and then yeah, I never watched anything on Quibby. It's kind of like I don't want to watch like. What, we, what I was doing 10 years. Quibi was basically what we were doing. Right. right. <laughs> well, like the whole thing about like how like it's only for phones and like you get, yeah, that you was get different too. stuff if you tilt it. I'm like, yeah, 
If you tilt your phone to the side, you'll you'll see me unsub- like fucking deleting that program. Yeah, it um, was definitely a weird setup. I don't know why they made those decisions. <laughs> It's a me, Mario. Love Channel 101, but hate looking at shit? Try Frequency 101. All you gotta do is record an audio pilot, make it five minutes or less, and submit it to SubmissionsInChannel101.com! The listening audience will vote for the favorites, Mamma Mia, and the top five shows will return next month. And don't worry, it's all audio, so you won't have to look at any flop dongs. Frequency 101, you won't have to look at any dicks or buttholes. Who, who are some people that you'll work with and be familiar with already, but like just in awe of their talent? Like, I'm a fan of this person, not just because they're my friend or because we work together, but like, look at them do that shit they do. Yeah. Well, honestly, like I told Wade this last year, but I watched like all of Wade's uh, shows like last year. And I was like, whoa, this is really funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I made and, Like, I legitimately had that thought like, man, I wish I made something like that. Like what Wade and Eric would do. Um, so definitely that. That, Wade. Definitely Wade. Um, I mean, Kyle and Kate, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, huge fan of them. The Duncan Brothers. The Duncan Brothers are kind of where I'm at, too. Like, you know, like Ian's, uh, he's a great dungeon master. Uh, he, he, he's, uh, he runs games. Um, he's got like a Star, Star Wars podcast. But like a lot of his creative energy has gone into you know D and D when he's not working, right? Um, which you know you just you just find something else to do that's rewarding for you. But that that's a great example, kind of. That's kind of like where I'm at. Although I, I wish I I need to figure out another creative outlet like D and D. But I, I am in his D and D game. Uh, but he's, nice. he's the Duncan Brothers for sure. Mike McCafferty is always fun. Like anything, anytime he does something, that's another person who isn't really motivated by getting voted back. I mean, I think he gets competitive, but like he just wants to put the craziest thing and just exercise his id on screen um, (laughs) in front of people. Um, So definitely him. But I'd say I'd say that's a good that's a good collection of people. JD Riznar. I mean, Yacht Rock. He he made a couple great shows after that too. Yeah, yeah, that's my short list. Willie, Bluey, Mike, you know, and everyone else like you don't care about. I'm just no, 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 no. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, like the it, it's always weird asking certain questions like that. I never want put anyone on the spot feeling like they might forget somebody or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't. I honestly, I have so much distance from it that I don't care anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I've I, on the podcast, I've talked shit about screenings where it's been like, yeah, I didn't want. I, I was tired of Googie after like episode two. You know, <laughs> like I, I, I'm very candid about that stuff now. The, everybody knows that I like and respect them, so I don't. I don't feel bad saying that stuff. Fair enough. But I'd, I'd rather be honest than just. Be political, which is what people do in LA, is they like try to say the most positive thing rather right. than be the most honest thing, which I I'm guilty of that at the time. I wish I could go back in time and just care less, you know? Yeah. It's not always the most uh high in emotional IQ that have like power in in industries in any industry. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I've seen entourage, so that I mean I know it's real. Yeah. That's a joke. But no, I know, I know, no, no, but that's probably accurate. I've never been there. I, I want to go. Um, 
as far as like you know dream job mm-hmm. how how close or how far to where it was making cybercrime city ministers like like as for yeah but how much in the period of doing one-on-one did your dream job change um yeah i mean here's the thing if you, at a certain point you get older and you're broke and you're still like okay at a certain point a do i want to live in la forever b am i happy living with five roommates in a house you know and i'm glad i moved before covid because if i was trapped in a house i I got i'm in in a one-bedroom apartment now it took me a while to get there Mm. um but at a certain point you just drive you're just being driven nuts living with roommates so that motivates me to prioritize work and money over you know now that that probably changed for me around 2014 I want to say because Morgan and I killed ourselves making Aegis, Morgan more so than me. And that was definitely a show where it's like, whoa, every time, just watching it, I'm tired, you know? <laughs> and it sucks, but it's also like, okay, I I mean, you're you're editing Aegis and you got your roommate in the next room making banging dishes or whatever. And it's like, if only I lived, if only I had a soundproof room to work on my stuff, you know, when, when he just is over, it's like, okay, I need, I need a steady job to get out of here. So it starts with that. And then at a certain point, you're just prioritizing just you're, all your time's going into work and, and making money. But before that, I mean, I came pretty close. I mean, switcher was optioned as a movie twice with uh, smaller producers. Um, the first time I sold it was um, it, it was a guy. He, he, yeah, he was, I, believe you had the best of intentions but he immediately was like yeah you know what if it wasn't first person as soon as the ink was dry and it's like okay well you don't want to make the thing that i sold um switcher is a first person body switching movie just that's the hard concept that don't change that part we can change the story we can do whatever we want with it but it is a first person experience switcher by the way can't be in a dream (laughs) um I know that was a movie. I woke up and I had a dream, and that was the that was the uh, idea. That was your so yesterday. Was, yeah, I guess so. You know, yesterday came to me in a dream. You know. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the movie for that, but I heard about the um, the original idea for that movie, and it sounds like they he sold the movie, and the idea was that um, he played all those Beatles songs. But you know, you know about the movie, right? Yeah, the Danny Boyle. Yes. Yeah. He sold to Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle changed the concept. And the, the, the idea for the original movie was that he played all the Beatles songs and he didn't get famous. And the idea is that, you know, it's the messenger and not the message, basically. Right. And the Danny Boyle movie, he plays all the songs and he does get famous, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Just that's an example of like you sell a movie and then they just totally butcher what it was supposed to be. That's crazy. I came close with Switcher. And then he like wanted, he's like, oh man, every my money's coming from China. What can we do to, you know, make this story uh, appeal to China? Maybe we should shoot in China for a million dollars. And then the story was just all wrong. Um, he wanted to start off. I always thought that Switcher worked better as a fish out of water story, like an identity theft, like you're a normal person, your body gets stolen. Right. He wanted to start off, he wanted to make it like you're already switching bodies you're a spy and you're switching bodies with people. And it's like, okay, but how does the audience catch up to what the main character is doing? So like it was a producer trying to be a writer is what happens. And this is a big problem with Hollywood in general. 
I feel like agencies and producers just have way too much power over creative, just creative stuff. It's not like back in the seventies. And I always, I don't know why I always use George Lucas's career as a template. Cause that's like a one in a million, but like he had um, somewhat something lad backed him at one at 20th century Ladd. Fox. Alan Ladd. He recently died, I think. And um, Gary Kurtz also is a producer to help him out. You know, it's not like, Hey, I don't know what this story is, but I believe in you, George Lucas. And that's, that's how that goes. But yeah. producers really want to make your story, whatever they want to make it. I think that's what, that's part of what's killing Hollywood right now. And especially like the endless franchises We're up to what Batman number seven. Yeah. Um, like I moved to Hollywood and I wanted to make like the next star Wars, you know, I wanted to do that. Instead, Hollywood just buys the rights to Star Wars and literally makes more Star Wars. Yep. It's a problem. And it's also, that's another thing that kind of demoralized me. It's like, you see The Force Awakens and you see that's such a retread of, you know, the, the episode four, A New Hope. And it's like, what's the end goal? What's the best case scenario for me? I sell a movie and then someone destroys the idea. I'd rather just make, I'd rather just make one-on-one shows at that point. But that's, I mean, there was a little bit of demoralization of the entertainment business too. Um, that's part of it. Yes. Lo- lower the risk, maximize the profit. Mm-hmm. Fans hate it. Customers love it. It's a, uh-huh. it's, it's a good system. I mean, no, I've, I mean, if I, if I was in business, like fuck art, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm talking out of my ass and it's, it's, I don't know if, I don't know if that was a kindness laugh because I didn't find it funny. I'm being lame in front of uh, (laughs) someone I respect a lot. It's all right. If I asked you if you had an idea right now for something that Mm -hmm. you want to make, I don't want to ask for a spoiler, but what, what are some ideas that you still think are good that you never got around to? Well, let me see if I can, let me see if I can pull up my Google doc of ideas right right now. Um, I, I'm actually, it's kind of a weird social experiment too, because I want to see if I say something here, if someone steals it, there's a movie in five years. Yeah, I actually no. wrote, it's called The Upload in 2016. And I know that there's a show called Upload on Amazon. So I wonder if someone in 2016 went through my Google Docs and made that. <laughs> um, oh, but my idea is more like Big Fish meets Transcendent. Have you seen Big Fish? Big Fish, the Tim Burton movie. Yes. Yeah. It's basically a guy uploads all his memories to a database and they can share with his family for all eternity. But it becomes clear that all his ideas are lies, which is basically big fish, but with a digital right. twist on it. Well, I, here's one I wrote recently is basically it, it's, it's my first horror story about this guy. It's kind of like it starts off kind of like um, what's that movie with Dom Gleason and uh, X Machina. Okay. Yeah. Um, that guy wins his IQ is so high that he wins this contest to be put in a bunker and with all the billionaires and all the billionaires rented this bunker because they know the world's going to end. And he is the lucky chosen one that gets to live in the bunker with them, but they all turn out to be like terrible roommates. You know how billionaires are. They're very eccentric. So imagine being in a bunker with Steve jobs, Steve Ballmer, Bill Gates, um, Elon Musk, and just you're living with all of them in this facility. And then as it turns out, he's part of a um, human sacrifice ritual. You reveal that at the midpoint. So then what happens is the guy starts, he has to fight off these billionaires in in the bunker. 
And he becomes the monster, ironically, as he starts killing them off one by one. Right. Um, but there's, you know, there, there's, there's like one billionaire that's kind of his, his friend that uh, was looking out for him and gave him a heads up. Um, I won't spoil the ending, but that's, that's part of one of them. Um, another one is like a, another subversive superhero movie that I came up with. Um, and I've read, I, I, it's weird because I just go through these phases where I just one night I just outline an entire movie. Yeah, I yeah. don't have the characters. I have the plot. I don't have the dialogue or anything like that. I just know what the movie is on paper. Uh, the other one is it's, it's a superhero movie where there's a superhero in town and it's centered on the news. It's centered on the press. And you find out that it's this reporter making up stories about a superhero. <laughs> and to, to, you know, there's no secret identity to the superhero. It's just this made up superhero. And eventually it gets to a point where like he has to manifest the superhero into reality because the legend's too big and crime's going down. So he hires an actor to be the superhero and <laughs> he gets the actor killed somehow or the actor commits a murder. And then he has to, uh, what was the, what was the t- plot twist on that one? Oh, and then he has to cover up the murder for the superhero. And then right. he winds up, he winds up becoming the super villain. It's kind of a similar twist yeah. uh, to the last one. And then uh, he kills the superhero and then he, uh, and then the, the actor that he played for the superhero gets the credit for actually being the superhero. So he mm-hmm. manifested the superhero into reality, even though he didn't intend to. That's, that's one of them. That's neat. They're, they're like movies that, that I don't know if I'm ever going to make, but I might, you know, I might write them someday. I'm not sure if there was like I don't know, Wag the Dog or um, Man of the Year. I feel like, and I didn't even see the movies I just mentioned, but I, I feel like there were, there were movies like where they faked a presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. Like there was like a, a fictional president, but they got voted in or, or someone ran for president as a joke, but they got voted. I mean, that happened in real yeah. life too. Um, There's a Black Mirror episode similar to that where a cartoon runs for president or political yeah. office. Yeah. <laughs> Are you good at that though? Like when you get an idea, like is the ratio good between like the uh, the amount of ideas that you lock onto a document of some kind, or that just sort of come in fleeting and and then you're like, oh, what was that idea I had? I always try to write them down just in case I want to save them for later. Try to see how many doesn't tell you how many Google Docs are in the folder because I can give you an accurate number count. <laughs> um, I don't know, fifty and maybe five of them I like. <laughs> Some of them are like one-on-one short ideas that are terrible, though, that, like, that I just wouldn't make. I wanted to make a Mac Warrior type show where it's, I, I shoot it with a drone. So you'd have like a drone at, at, the, uh, at, the, dro- at the mech mech's level. And then in the foreground, you, put the, you digitally put the cockpit over it. We'd shoot it in the desert. And then, <clears throat> oh, there's a twist to it, too. You're, you, it's revealed that you are an AI. And that it's not a mech, you're a robot. I don't know. I don't know if that's the best idea I've ever had, but <laughs> uh, you know, I got I got I got a bunch of stuff that's like three lines. This is what is, this is what happens. I like that. Yeah. I, I like the idea of nothing changing like human to human here. You still have a place in your heart for your brain to go to those places. The sparks are still happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, life has a way of taking us in and out of of love with the inventing and and uh, yeah and crafting. That's the thing. It's like thinking about shooting it. I'm like, oh. 
<laughs> just to get my feet always hurt at the end of every film shoot. And it's like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Give me a chair. Give me a fold out chair. Give me a proper director's chair next time. I don't know. <laughs> I can see why George Lucas sat in a chair watching monitors for the prequels as a director. <laughs> Cause when you get to that age, it's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Sorry, Cybercrime City Mysteries, was that also self-canceled? That was, that was self-canceled. Aegis and, Aegis and um, Cybercrime were the only two self-canceled that they could did. You son of a bitch. Although Return to Superman's kind of was a self-cancel. That was like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get an episode six. I, I, felt it, I felt the audience kind of getting over the idea at the time. That's what you felt? Like when you self-canceled, like, did, what, wasn't there like a response of like, fuck it, we love that. Why, why did you cancel? Or for cybercrime, or you just—you mean? My bad. Sorry, but Return, no, Return you, to Superman was canceled. You know, I just kept coming in fifth every month, and it was like, oh, the bottom's gonna fall out next time. Right. <laughs> with with Cybercrime City Mysteries, that was also like the last, I believe, and it was self-canceling. Like, did you have pushback about taking that away from, like, saying? No one was like heartbroken over it, but they were like, man, I would have liked to see more of that. I think I knew I wanted that to be three episodes, though. And I wanted to do the um, uh, cloak and dagger ending right. to it, where you go into the real world and he saves the world somehow from a video game. I knew I knew I had to get to that. And then I just was out. But I, I mean, animation, month to month, shooting like that. I mean, it's just it, that that wears on you. Yeah. The, the feeling behind the question is like watching some of your shows, that one, for example, and Aegis as well. This is why I do audio only because mm-hmm. oh, like, yeah. <laughs> even, even just a camera shooting something and fucking nothing on top of that is too much work. Um, yeah. I mean, audio editing is a thing too, especially in animation. You have to manufacture everything. That's tough. That's, well, I see. I love that. Yeah. Um, so do you do, do your own foley? Do you record your own stuff? I do a mix. I like to layer because if something is just the sound effect and it does a good job, it's yeah. it's it's not enough. It has to be special. Like it has to be a combination of like like a punch can't just be like you know. Sometimes it'll just be <laughs> someone go, someone going like that. But if you take yeah. like squishing meat and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Speaking to the newbies, speaking to the needing encouragement ease, and I haven't asked this in a while. It might be, yeah. Anyway, uh, can we motivate people to make shows? What's your spin on that? Yeah, I think 101 has always been like one of the better kept secrets in Hollywood. Like it's, it's, it's had such a great pedigree and like a lot of cool people have passed through it. And there's still a ton of potential. I mean, it's still there. The fact that 101 is still there, I mean... I think a lot of us who old timers, we take it for granted that 101 is still there. Some people are just done with it, but other people like, I mean, I like the idea that I can still make a 101 show at any point. And I think you can make something at 101. People are going to see it. It will get out there um, if that's what your motivation is, but there's still, um, there's still untapped potential. There's still things that you can do with 101. And I do think it's going to transform by necessity in some fashion yeah i don't know what to maybe that maybe we have to rethink the idea of screenings but channel 101 is kind of like that um it's kind of like the firehouse in ghostbusters right it's an old firehouse you know it, it was a firehouse but 
you know, someone could take that over and turn it into Ghostbusters and make something of it. Um, so I'd say there's still like if you're an entrepreneur or you're your creator, I mean, there's something you you can if you have the seed of an idea, you can, you could definitely do something with Channel 101 right now. Um, especially since you know, even if there isn't a lot of competition right now, or it's not as competitive as as it was in the old days, um, it's there's still an audience. You can people are still going to see what you do, and you can build that audience. Um, so I, I'd say there's still potential. It's there, there's still there's still a future if if people really want to make the really want to make one. Nice. A couple of silly questions before I let you go. All right. What's your favorite food? Wow, that's a tough one. Okay, I mean, I really like ramen. Ramen's kind of my. I mean, I like sushi. I like Japanese food in general. Um, I'll just say ramen, though. It's a straightforward answer. It's like a go-to. Not a go-to, actually. I, I definitely. I, I used to. I used to live in an area where I, I lived by a ramen place, and I eat it every you know multiple multiple times a week. Right now, I eat it maybe once a week, once every two weeks. You know, if I, if I'm feeling it, it's kind of a treat, but. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have your favorite food every day, you know? <laughs> uh, I feel like quirks is too cliche, but like, do you have any quirks? Like for me, like I'll drink, I'll drink coffee in the PM and even in Canada, I'll wear my shorts when <laughs> I'm out and about. Out. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, America. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you. Um, and I also wear shorts like eight months out of the year, even though it's like in Canada, really only hospitable about four uh, okay. for shorts. <laughs> uh, but I'm stubborn. It's a thing that brings me joy that every now and then someone will be like, coffee in the PM or shorts in, in April. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have anything like that? Oh, man. I don't know. I'm pretty messy. I'll say that. <laughs> um, I always let things pile up before I have to do anything about it. Um, that's a very good question. Cause like the thing, my quirks are things that I don't even notice. I will say, okay, I, I'll, I have, um, I have what's called misophonia. So if someone mm. is chewing or eating around me, I, I can't stand it. I have to get away from it. Like if I'm at a job right now, I'm still working from home. They haven't put me back in an office yet, but if they put me in a bullpen situation or a cubicle and I heard someone eating next to me, I'd have to like get up out of my desk. I like the crinkling of the wrappers, the chewing. If I go and see a movie, I usually pick a way that's like, I'd rather, I'd rather have a seat that's away from people <laughs> than the, the center front, because that's where everybody's going to be, you know? Right. So I, I have these little annoyance quirks. I have, I have, I have a little neuroticism, I guess. The movie thing's crazy. Cause like you get to, close to like opening a package and then everything goes silent for like five yeah. minutes. Yes. And you're like, and that's the moment. Yeah. I really want to open these, but everyone yeah. will hear it. And it's really, yeah, no, I get it. The sound, uh, this, I get why that's, that could be annoying. I uh, waited so, two weeks to see the Batman just so I wouldn't have to deal with people. <laughs> <laughs> Is it good? I liked it. Um, sorry. It, did, did, did you like it? Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, it does a couple different things that you haven't seen them do with Batman, but it also does a lot of things that you have seen with Batman. It's good. I, it's probably it's one of the better Batman movies in a while, though, in my opinion. He, Bat- he, go, he definitely goes in a hard David Fincher detective story direction with it. Did you like Mank? Oh, I didn't see Mank. I always wanted to see Mank, and I just I don't I don't have a Netflix subscription, 
which is right. why I never saw it. Um, I, I have Amazon Prime. I have like every other streaming service, but Netflix just lost my interest after a while because it, you know, Stranger Things that season two I didn't come back for, and all the other stuff came out, and I just subscribed to every other service but Netflix after a while. <laughs> but I, I, it's not, I, I got to see it. I should watch it. Aaron, once again, like you're. I think you're fantastic. I think your work is fantastic. And um, I urge, like, there's so many new people, like, believe it or not, that aren't, like, huge nerds like me. And, and like, the, the whole library is so big. And I, yeah. if you're listening to this right now, start with the Aaron Moles page and watch all of it, I think. Do you think they should watch all of it? There's no, <sighs> not a dud? Let me, let me see what they can skip. Um, <laughs> I feel like you can skip. Uh, we're just talking about the stuff I made, right? Just isolating it to creator credits. I don't think Sexy Vampire Journals was my best, unless you're watching the WB around a certain time. Yeah, every word in that is a hit show. <laughs> I know, yeah. Monopoly, I feel like I could have done that so much. That's one of my biggest disappointments is Monopoly. I wanted to make an HBO series based on Monopoly, the board game. <laughs> you rolled I mean, those I, dice. <laughs> the, the casting was perfect. Mm-hmm. It just didn't... I. HBO shows are slower paced and I tried to do fit an HBO episode into five minutes, which resulted in like a really fast show that could have been better. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe skip that one. Cordyceps is okay. I guess it's that, that was definitely me just shitting something out on a, <laughs> on a Sunday. And I, you know, you don't have to watch those though, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> if you want to watch them, go for it. Yeah, go for it. I love Cordyceps, but I mean, I there's that thing where it's like the familiar, like I love everyone yeah. in it. So like, yeah. I just love watching you guys have fun. Listen, man, like been on, it's been an honor to chat with you. Uh, so thanks. It's nice meeting you. I'm, I'm, yeah, I love that you, someone cares about this stuff because I think there's a lot of really awesome things that happen in one on one that just aren't well documented. And I think we definitely did like some amazing stuff. And it's just weird how like after a long time it just kind of ends and like everybody kind of dissipates and goes their own way and i don't know i kind of i kind of wish i could go back to those days you know it's a part of how you got here it's a it's a part of how we got here like culturally as creatives Mm -hmm. whether we were there or not the work i mean if you can watch it now it's it's happening now it's like uh yeah I, I want someone to watch the sequence for the first time and be inspired to make something. Um, yeah. And uh, whether it's for one-on-one or not, just in general, like like narrative storytelling is still the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pro- like probably, you know, um, and you're one of the best at it, Aaron. Thank you so much for being on Primetime Flies. All right. And, uh, Thanks for having me. This podcast features music used with permission from the Holocene EP by Postmodern Machine. Available wherever you get bandcamp.com, but please visit postmodernmachine.com. This has been Primetime Flies, a Channel 101 podcast hosted by Todd Donald. Thanks for listening. <laughs>